Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. The most important principle that guided Rashi in the composition of his commentary is that of Pshutai Shalmikra, that Rashi's intent is always to explain what he considers to be the simple, direct meaning of Scripture. This rule is so important that it can force Rashi to break some of his other principles. As we have mentioned many times, Rashi is generally not interested in homiletical midrashim, halachic details, and the reasons behind the mitzvos. However, when delving into these areas will help Rashi clarify Pshuta Shalmikra, he will do so. Another one of Rashi's principles is that he explains Hamikraois al-Sidrom. He explains the verses of the Torah in the order in which they appear. Among other things, this means that Rashi generally does not ask on a verse, does not ask a question on a verse based on information that is contained in a later verse. Here too, however, Rashi will bend his own rule if it can help him explain the simple meaning of the verse that he is working on. In this week's Parsha, Parsha's Mishpatim, we read in Perak Chaf Beis, Posak Yudtes, Zoveach lo Elohim, Yochrom, someone who slaughters a sacrifice, lo Elohim, to the gods, meaning to idolatry, Yochrom. We will translate it for the moment as shall be destroyed. Bilti Lashem Levado, only to Hashem Himself should we offer korbanos. Let's take a look at the Rashi, beginning with the word Yocharam. So Rashi says Yocharam. Yocharam means you must. He shall be put to death, meaning he shall be put to death by the base din, by the earthly court. Now, Rashi asks Akashya, Lama nemer Yochram, why does this Pasuk say Yochram? Vahaloi kvar nemrevoi misa b'makam acher? Doesn't the Torah already say that a person who does idolatry is chayev misa, is liable for the death penalty? Doesn't the Torah already say this in another place? As it says in Sefer Dvarim, chapter Yudzayan, Pasuk Hei, you will take out that man or that woman who has served idolatry and you will put them to death. So why does the Torah say it also here? So Rashi answers, Since the Torah in Sefer Dvorim did not make it explicit for which kind of service to idolatry is a person liable for the death penalty. So that you shouldn't say that any kind of service would, uh, would put the person in a position of being put to death. Perhaps one would think that, because in Sefer Dvorim it simply says, he went and he did Avodah Zorah, he went and he did idolatry. But what form of service did he do for idolatry? So one might think, any form whatsoever. So, therefore, the Torah came here 
And it explained, it made explicit as follows, Zoveach lo Elohim. It says, he who slaughters a sacrifice to the gods. This is to tell you. Ma zvicha. What is special about zvicha, about slaughtering? Aveda hanasis bifnim l'shemayim. This is a service that is done inside the Beis HaMikdash for the sake of heaven. We slaughter korbanos to Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. Others, they slaughter sacrifices to idolatry. So afani marbe, so I will also add on, hamekater v'hamenasech v'hamishtachave. I will add on someone who burns incense to idolatry, someone who makes a wine libation for idolatry, and someone who bows down to an idol. Shehena voidois bifnim, these are services that are done inside the Beis for Hashem, v'chayoven aleihem l'chol and a person is liable for the death penalty if he does them to the, for the service of any kind of idolatry. Whether it is the normal accepted way to serve that particular idol in that way, or whether it is not the way to serve that idol in that particular way. For example, if there were an idol, such as the Gemara talks about a type of idol that was called Marculus, that the way of, of serving it was to, th- to throw stones in front of it, but not to, uh, not to bring sacrifices to it. But if one brought a sacrifice to Marculus, the one would be Chayev Misa. Because since uh, slaughtering a sacrifice is something that we do for Hashem, so if someone would do it for idolatry, he is Chayev, even though that particular idol is not normally worshipped in that way. Rashi continues, Avalsharavaidais, but other services, Kagana Mechabed, like someone who sweeps in front of the idol. Vamarabait, so someone who, who sprinkles water on the ground so that the the, the to hold down the dust in front of the idol. Hamagafeth Vaminashek, or someone who hugs it or kisses it. Enoibemisa, he is not subject to the death penalty. Of course, it is forbidden for him to serve the Avedezara in such a way, but he would not be Chayev Misa. So, uh, based on this kfelos, based on this repetition of the, of the death penalty for one who serves idolatry, and based on the specific wording of this Pasuk, that it says Zeveach, so Rashi learns out a whole uh, set of halachic details, very interesting details. But let us focus on his original question. Rashi asks, why does it say, Yoharam? Why does this Pasuk say that the one who serves Avedazara will be destroyed? Doesn't it already say, or doesn't it also say in Sefer Dvarim, that if someone does idolatry, he must be put to death? Now that question, put aside the answer, that question seems to violate one of Rashi's own principles. Because here we are learning Parshas Mishpatim in Sefer Shemos, and the Pasuk says, if someone slaughters a korban for idolatry, so he must be put to death. Okay, that's what the Pasuk says. Why would Rashi be bothered by the fact that it is repeated in a much later place in the Torah? Isn't Rashi's rule that he only explains Hamikroyas Kisidram, that he explains Psukim according to the order 
in which they come. So Rashi seems here to have violated his own principle. And the answer, I believe, is as follows. Really, Rashi's primary interest here is not to resolve this, uh, this doubling of the same halachic point. That is not his main purpose. His main purpose is to explain and to establish the proper translation of the word yoharam. Now, we've translated so far the word yoharam as the person who does idolatry shall be destroyed, or as some translations have it, will be utterly destroyed. Now, this word yoharam is similar to the word chedem, the shorish ches, resh, and mem. Now, when we today hear the word chedem, we immediately think of a rabbinical ban of excommunication. However, we don't find this root word used, I don't think ever, in the Chumash, in that sense. We do find that the word chedem can refer to something that is aser bahana'ah, something that has become forbidden to derive benefit from. There's such a thing as charamim, a sort of a vow that a person could take where he divorces himself from his ownership of a certain object and thereby gives it over to the treasury of the Beis HaMikdash. That's a form of donation to the Beis HaMikdash because, and the sense of it is that he has made it chedem, he has made it something which is forbidden to himself to derive benefit. And rather, it belongs to the, to the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, Rashi had to establish exactly what does this word Yoharam mean. Ranban, in fact, suggests that when the Pasuk says Yoharam here, it really means two things. It means the Zoveach, the one who slaughters the animal, becomes, so to speak, Aser Bahana'ah. In other words, he is, must be put to death. And it also includes that the animal that he slaughtered becomes Aser Bahana'ah, becomes forbidden to benefit from it. There is a Targum Yerushalmi. In addition to the Targum Unkelis, the Aramaic translation of Unkelis that, that Rashi uses quotes so often, there's also something called the Targum Yerushalmi. It's an alternate Aramaic translation, and the Targum Yerushalmi says, Yocharam means Yiskatal b'siyafa, this person will be put to death by the sword, v'nechsoi yisgamrun, and his property will also be destroyed. So he seems to have understood the way Ranban understood it, that this word Yocharam really means, it has a sense of something becoming Osir Bahana'ah. As a, as a parenthetical remark, it is interesting to see how the Targum Yerushalmi explains the end of the Pasuk. The end of this Pasuk says, Bilti Lashem Levadoi, only to Hashem himself. Targum Yerushalmi says as follows, Yiskatel B'Siyafa, this person shall be killed by the sword, V'nechsoi Yisgamrun, and his property will be eliminated, Begin Cain, in order that in order that people should not serve 
any gods other than to the name of Hashem alone. An interesting little, interesting in two points. First of all, we see how the Targum Yerushalmi understood Bilti Lashem Levadoi, that it is a preventative. This person who served idolatry must be put to death. Why? So that others will serve only Hashem. And we see here that at least in this case, and at least according to the Targum Yerushalmi, the purpose of the terrorist punishment is not for retribution, but rather it is a deterrent. That the person, this person who served idolatry must be put to death so that others will be discouraged from doing the same. Anyway, that's a parenthetical remark. But we see from Ramban in Targum Yerushalmi that the word Yoharam doesn't exactly mean or could possibly, does not have to be translated exactly as will be put to death. And therefore, Rashi, who says that it does mean you must, Rashi begins his comment here by saying, Yoharam, you must, he will be put to death. I believe that Rashi wanted to strengthen this point. How does he strengthen it? He strengthens it by quoting a question that is raised by our Chachamim, in the Gemara Sanhedrin, that the Chachamim, the Gemara had a question, that why does this Pasuk say what is essentially the same point as another Pasuk in Sefer Dvarim? Now, the Gemara and the Midrashim have no problem asking from an earlier verse based on some other verse that occurs much later in the Torah or anywhere in the Tanakh, all the way to the other end of Tanakh. No problem whatsoever for the Gemara or the Midrash. Rashi's rule is a self-imposed rule, that he chooses not to entertain such questions, generally speaking. Here he quotes the question that the Gemara asks, Why does it say here, Doesn't the Torah tell us in another place that a person who does idolatry is Chayav Misa? Why does Rashi quote this question? Because from the question that the Gemara asks, we see how the Gemara interpreted the word Yoharam. If Yoharam means something other than be put to death, then the Gemara had no question. Because the Pasuk in Varam doesn't say Yoharam. It says Umais. It says that person will die. He will be put to death. So if the, if the Gemara asks the question from the Pasuk in Varam on our Pasuk, that says Yoharam, we see that they, in their wisdom and in their and 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 armed with their their Mesiris, with their tradition of Torah Peh, they understood that this pasuk of Yoharam means Yumas, the person will be put to death. So here we have a very good example of Rashi, uh, so to speak, breaking his own rule. His normal rule is don't ask me questions based on on later psukim. But here he breaks that rule. Why? Because he is using that discussion of a later Pasuk in order to clarify the meaning, the Pshute Shal Mikra of the Pasuk that is in front of him. Let us examine another example of this phenomenon. A little bit later in our Parsha, we read in Perek Chaf Beis, Pasuk Chaf Ches, Bechor Benecha Titein Li. The firstborn of your sons, 
you shall give to me. And let's just see the next Pesach after that. Kain taseh l'shorcha, so you will do for your ox l'tzaynecha, and for your flocks of sheep, meaning you should redeem them also, the firstborn. Shivas yamim im imoi, seven days the animal will be with its, with its mother, but yamashimini titnoi on the eighth day you shall give it to me. Now, let's take a look at Rashi on that first Pasuk, Bechor Banecha Titein Li. Rashi says, Bechor Banecha Titein Li, Liftoso Bechamesh Sloyim Menakoyen. This means to redeem him for five sela, for five silver coins from the Koyen. In other words, this is the mitzvah of Pidyon Haben. Now, Rashi asks Akasha, Hasn't the Torah already commanded about this in a different place that we have to redeem the firstborn? Ella, rather. So what is the special point of this Pesach, since the, the mitzvah, in fact, is repeated elsewhere? The reason the Torah wrote it here is in order to put it next to the next Pesach, Kain Tasa so you shall do for your ox. In other words, the Torah wants to draw a comparison between Bechor Adam, the firstborn of a person, and Bechor Behema, the firstborn of an animal. Ma Bechor Adam Just like the firstborn of a person, a baby, child, it is only after 30 days that one redeems him. Shenemar, as it says in Apostolic in Bamidbar, in Parshas Korach, his redemption, when he is a month old, you shall redeem. So, so too, the firstborn of a behemoth, of an animal, the owner takes care of it for 30 days, and afterwards, he gives it to the koyen. Okay, so, Again, here, we're not going to deal so much with Rashi's answer, but rather, we're going to attempt to analyze his question. What was Rashi's question on our Pesach? Doesn't the Torah command this same mitzvah in another place? Well, where is that other place? In some Chumashim, for example, in the Chumash Torah Schayim, published by Moisad Rav Kook, there's a footnote which refers us to the Pasuk that Rashi quotes a little bit later in his answer. The Pasuk in the Midbar, Yod Ches Tez Zayin, which says about the firstborn of a, of a, of a human, Ufeduyov mi ben his redemption you shall redeem when the child is a month old. So according to this, Rashi seems to be breaking his own rule. We're learning a Pasuk here in Sefer Shemos that says, redeem your firstborn son. And Rashi is, Rashi is asking Akasha, well, why does it say that? It says it later in the Torah, the same mitzvah. Well, according to Rashi's principle of Mikra Oisal Sidram, Rashi should have waited till later. Right now, the Pasuk is good. It tells us to do a particular mitzvah. What's the problem? 
if it happens to repeat it later on, then later on we'll think about why the Torah repeated it. So Rashi seems to be breaking his own rule. Now, the truth is, this footnote that is made in some Chumashim, uh, personally, I disagree with it. Because the mitzvah of Pidyan Bechor is not stated for the first time here in Parshish Mishpatim. It has already been stated in Parshish Bo, where it says in Perik Yud Gimel, Pasik Yud Gimel, V'chol Bechor Adam Every firstborn of a person, every firstborn human child, amongst your children, amongst your sons, you must redeem. So it would seem to me more correct to say that really Rashi is asking not not because of a later Pasuk. Rashi's question is based on an earlier Pasuk, which is the normal way that Rashi presents his kashas. In either case, however, I think we can say that Rashi's primary intent here is really not to get involved in this kfelos, in this doubling of the same mitzvah, and his primary intent is really not to tell us this halachic detail about how many days one must uh, care for the, for the firstborn before either giving it to the koyen or redeeming it from the koyen. It would seem, rather, that Rashi's primary interest in this Pasuk is to explain the Pshuta Shal Mikra. Let's look at the Pasuk again. We've been talking here as if, as if it's obvious that this Pasuk is discussing the mitzvah known as Pidyan Aben. But let's take a look at the words in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Bechor Banecha Titein Li The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. That in and of itself doesn't sound so much like Pidyan Aben. In fact, the Svarno, Rabbi Avadya Svarno, the great commentator, says on those words, V'chor b'necha li, give the firstborn of your sons to me, l'chol avedis kodesh. You should give the firstborn of your sons, you should give him over for all the holy service to Hashem. L'avedis amikdash, you should specify and dedicate him to serve in the base of Mikdash, or the Talmud Torah, and you should allow himself to dedicate himself to the study of Torah. Similar to how it was later on with the Kohanim. In other words, he is understanding, it seems, that this Pusik is talking before the Kohanim were chosen to be the servants of Hashem and the Beis HaMikdash, and before they were chosen to be an entire group, an entire shevet that was dedicated to the study of Torah. And here the Pusik is saying one should give over one's son, one's firstborn son, to that service. Rashi, of course, said, not like that. Rashi said, You don't actually give your son to Hashem. It means, How do you give him to Hashem? By paying a koyen for him. So in effect, you are showing that really he belongs to Hashem. Now, 
in order to be mechazek, in order to strengthen that explanation, that is why I think Rashi asks his kasha, that this mitzvah of Pidyan Bechor had already been mentioned in another place. Whether he means already mentioned in a previous Pasuk in Parsha's bow, or whether he means it is mentioned later on in Sefer Dvorim, in either case, the primary reason he's asking this kasha is because if Chazal raised this question, if Chazal raised this question, why does it say here to redeem your son? Didn't it say already in a different place? Doesn't it say in a different place to redeem your son? It must be that how did they understand this Pasuk? It must be they understood that this Pasuk is talking about redeeming, not about literally giving the son to the service of the Beis HaMikdash, to the service of Hashem, to the service of Hashem through Talmud Torah. But it must be that the Chachamim, in their wisdom, understood that this Pasuk means liftoso, that's why they asked the kasha, but it says elsewhere that one has to do that. Why would the Torah say it twice? So again, we have a very clear example of Rashi. In order to, to clarify, in order to strengthen his explanation of Pshutei Shal Mikra, he will bend his rules so, somewhat. He will get involved either with a later Pasuk, or he will go into some of the halachic details that can be gleaned from the repetition of certain sukkim, even though that's also not his usual uh, modus operandi, but he does so in order to accomplish his most important goal, which is to explain the Pshutei Shomikra. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.